We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. This is trade deadline week, folks. We're talking to you with the Bulls at 19 and 23 overall. They are currently the nine seed in the Eastern Conference. For the first time in the league history, that would mean the Bulls season wouldn't be over. If the season ended today, they would be in the play-in tournament. Uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10, as a reminder, are in the play-in tournament. The bottom of the Eastern Conference standings right now. Let's run through it real quickly, Jason. Trash. Uh, well, first of all, at the top, it's the Sixers. They're 30 and 13. Then we got the Nets at 29 and 14. The Bucks at 28 and 14. And then a huge drop-off. The Hawks are the fourth seed at one game over 500, <laughs> 22 and 21. Then the Hornets are the five seed. They're going to be without LaMelo Ball for at least a month, maybe all season. The Heat are the sixth seed at 500. The Knicks are the seventh seed at 500. The Celtics are one game over 500 as the eight seed. The Bulls game. The Bulls are four games under 500 as the nine seed. You got the Pacers as the ten seed. The Raptors as the eleven seed. So that's sort of what the outlook is like right now, heading into trade deadline week. Uh, today there was actually some buzz around the Bulls for the first time. Not a ton of buzz. But Sham Sharania reported that the Bulls are willing to listen to offers for Lowry Markkinen. I believe Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report reported that yep. uh, the Bulls and Pelicans have discussed a Lowry for Lonzo deal. I also heard that from another source that uh, that ha- is a deal that you know is pretty much on the table right now. It appears that the Pelicans want more than just Lowry Markkinen for Lonzo Ball. Uh, you know, we've talked about that trade going down as an offseason sign-in trade the whole year, I feel like. I feel like I we mentioned that like eight yeah. months ago. Uh, I think that that's still a possibility. But the trade deadline's Thursday, Thursday afternoon, and we just might see something this time, Jason. And I really hope we do because this team has a long way to go, and they are not particularly close to anything that is worth writing home about. 
Yeah, they got to do something. Uh, I guess just a quick recap of the games that have been played recently. Uh, last night, we're recording right now on Tuesday night, uh, so that's Monday night. The Bulls got their absolute ass kicked by the league best Utah Jazz. Not really surprising. Second of a back-to-back. I guess they played a back-to-back, and it basically was just kind of epitomized just kind of how the season has gone. On Sunday night, they played the Pistons. They won by 14 in a game that I really didn't even care about after my Illini embarrassed themselves against Loyola, but that's maybe we'll talk about that later. Uh the Bulls won that game 186. Uh, it was bad at the start. I think they pulled away in the second half. The Pistons shot like 425 from three. The Pistons are a terrible team. They're one of the worst teams in the NBA. Bulls looked ugly beating them. Good for them. Whatever. The Bulls have done well against bad teams all season. They're, I believe they're 15-7 and seven against teams over, or under 500. They're, they've been bum slayers. So then they get a chance the next night uh, against the Utah Jazz at the at the end of a road trip uh, to at least be competitive, maybe get a win. Because I mean, we, the last two times, the few times the Bulls have played good teams, we saw them choke a game away against the Nuggets and choke a game choke away a game against the Spurs. So you get another chance to play a good team. They were kind of c- close to start. Uh, they were up three points when Zach Levine went to the bench at the end of the first quarter. Then the Jazz went on a 19-0 run, and the game was basically over from there. Uh, the Jazz won by 25, 120-95. So just another loss to a team over 500. Uh, that puts the Bulls now at 4-16 and against over 500 teams. So, yeah, I mean, they, they can't beat good teams. They have been a bit more competitive. They've had some chances, but again, they've had these meltdowns late in games. That has cost them. Uh, again, the Jazz game, there was not nothing like that, but those prior few games that happened, that Spurs game, uh, the Nugget, that prior Nuggets game, we've seen them lose some close games. But either way, they're not winning against good teams, and that has been a trend uh, since they started their rebuild. I tweeted this on on Friday night after they blew that game against the Nuggets that the Bulls are something like, obviously it's changed. I think they might be 123 and 121 now, something like that against teams 500 or better since they traded Jimmy Butler and started this rebuild. And obviously, like when you start a rebuild, you're going to be bad against bad teams or against good teams. But like they've just been so spectacularly bad. Where they, like a lot of times, even bad teams can catch good teams on off nights. They take them lightly, whatever, and they get lucky, rack up some wins. And the Bulls, that record again now is I think 123 and 120 or 23 and 121 against teams 500 or better in the last four seasons. And that, that I think that does kind of show you how. Even though the Bulls are better now, they are definitely better. They're more competent. They take care of business against these bad teams. They still are far away from actually being like really good contenders. They have a really good player in Zach Levine. They have some nice veterans. But I mean, they still can't win these games against good teams. And so right now they find themselves in this kind of weird spot with this trade-up line coming up where, again, they are better. They're more competent. They have a better coach. They have an all-star player. They have uh, some good veteran players. But they're in the spot where they're like, they're kind of almost like in the play-in by default at this point. The Raptors are two and a half games behind them as the 11. They might be selling. Like Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell might be getting traded. I know they still have like Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi. So they have still have some decent players there that maybe they'll figure some stuff out after the, they had this just issue with COVID. But I mean, they've lost nine in a row. Uh, they just lost to the Rockets, who had lost 20 in a row coming into that game. So like the Rockets or the Raptors seem like they're in free fall. Pascal Siakam apparently got into it with Nick Nurse the other game. So like the Bulls, like the Bulls have a tough schedule on paper coming up in the second half here. But like they, even if they struggle, like they still might get this ten seed. So like they're just kind of in this weird spot again, where they have a star player with Zach, but like the the veterans have been propping them up, but then the young guys have kind of stagnated. So I, th- I feel like a lot of people would be happier with this Bulls team if they were win if they had this record, but it was because like Lowry Markinen took a legitimate big step and Kobe White was looking good as the point guard and Wendell was cementing himself as the center of the future. 
Instead, it's Zach being good is awesome. Like, that's great. Fantastic. And like Thaddeus Young's been super fun to watch. But like when it's been the veterans kind of propping up the team plus Zach and the young guys have stagnated, it's kind of like, so where exactly do we go from here? So like you're at this point, do they sell the veterans? Like, do you trade a Thad Young? I mean, all the reporting out there says the Bulls do not want to trade Thad Young. He's too good. He's been too good on the court. He's been too good in the locker room. But like, I know Zach Lowe said that they should be able to get a first round pick for him. Like if someone puts a first round pick on the table, like do you not, you really pass that up for chasing what they're doing right now? I, we've talked about it. We're like, do you keep that young around to like make Zach Levine happy for this playoff race? I don't really know. Uh, like, I mean, Otto is obviously available. He's out there. You mentioned Jake Fisher's reporting like Otto's available. He brought up like trying to trade for somebody like DeMar DeRozan or Harrison Barnes. If you're like trying to buy, uh, we brought up DeMar DeRozan on, I think our last locker room podcast is a possible option. Like, I mean, sh- sure. He would obviously bring a juice added talent to the team. He'd be, he's had a really good passing season. He, is going to be a free agent. Apparently, in that same article, Jake Fisher said uh, DeRozan is looking to leave San Antonio. Who he wants a team, and he wants to be back in the Eastern Conference. He brought up the Bulls, the Knicks, and the Magic as like suitors. So, like, I mean, maybe you look at something like that. The Barnes thing. I know the Celtics were in on him. It seems like the Celtics are focusing on Aaron Gordon right now. We'll see if that pans out. Uh, I mean, Bar- it sounds like the Kings want a lot for Barnes. The Kings seem like, are kind of in a similar place with the Bulls, where there might be a kind of dilute delusional team trying to make a run for this plane or whatever, except I mean, obviously way harder in the West. So the bulls are in a spot where they, they can decide to go in a few ways. I just want to see them do something. The bottom line is they got to do something with this roster. You can't just kind of go chilling through this trade deadline. They got to do something, whether it's, whether it's selling guys, whether it's trying to add talent, whether it's a guy like Lonzo ball, whether you go after some other talent, uh, we'll talk about the Pacers apparently are listening on Malcolm Brogdon. I know you tweeted, uh, about Malcolm Brogdon, about going after him. Like we we thought maybe they could go after him a couple years ago when he was a free agent. Uh, or maybe you do a bit or both. Maybe you trade Lowry, uh, but then you try to add, you trade him for more talent or you, you try to thread the needle somehow. Either way, I just do not want to see them sleeping through this trade downline. They had a quiet offseason. We gave them the benefit of the doubt. You make the you do those small moves in the offseason. Now with this trade deadline, after you've seen what the season has become, you need to just make some moves on this roster is the bottom line. Yeah, I think, you know, tying it back to where we were after Karnaschovas got the job and decided to stand pat with the roster entering the season, immediately it became a season of evaluation, right? And for Bulls fans, that's kind of a triggering word because I feel like at the end of the year press conference every year, John Paxson would go up there and be like, well, we still don't know what we have in Jerry and Grant, and we still don't know what we have in Cameron Payne because everyone's always hurt and everyone sucks. Well, If this has been an evaluation season, Jason, what do we know? We know that Zach leveled up. Zach is 25. He just turned 26, actually. Uh, Became an all-star just before his 26th birthday. So Zach now, you know, when we've been doing these episodes in the past, it's like, well, should they trade Zach? What should we get for Zach? Uh, Zach sort of made the decision for the Bulls. And now he is a guy who you're going to build around unless someone offers you just a huge package of picks, which definitely doesn't seem like it's going to be on the table at this trade deadline. I'd be surprised if it's even on the table in the off season, but maybe it will be who knows what's going to happen in the off season. Uh, the point is though, that Zach did establish himself as a piece to build around and as a piece to be here long-term uh, if he chooses to be, because he is going to be a free agent. And if the bulls choose to, uh, you know, enter a long-term commitment to him. So Zach did it. The rest of these guys did not. Lowry Markinen, uh is shooting the hell out of the ball. 
I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I know he's been uh, he was terrible last night and he's been a week the he's last week and a half or so. Yeah. But I believe his true shooting percentage is still like 65 or something like it's really good. It's better than it's ever been before. Uh, and what's sort of funny to me is that like now that he's shooting better than ever and he's still not that good, it sort of crystallizes more than ever that they need to move on from him <laughs> because he's never going to be a yeah. guy who's consistently like putting up 65 true shooting percentage. And even if he is, he's still not really a positive impact guy on the court. I mean, we've seen times where he's not closing games. We've seen times where you have little guards just like bodying him at the rim, uh, even when he's shooting well. And finally, for once in his career, finally, Lowry Markin shooting well, he's still not that good. So I think, you know, that's a bullet point. Wendell Carter, huge disappointment. I think that he's by no means are we writing him off as an NBA you know, future good NBA player. I think it's possible he could get to starter level, maybe above average starter level. But at the end of the day, dude, I mean, he's a center who's small, who can't shoot, who has no confidence. Uh, you know, I think he's pretty good as a pick and roll defender. I think that his passing, whilst underwhelming what I thought, given my expectations for him in the draft process, uh, it's solid but unspectacular. And Carter has certainly not proven himself to be the long-term option at center during this year. I mean, just no way. He's been disappointing. I know it seems like the Bulls internet is always arguing about Wendell Carter and people get so passionate. I used to be a passionate proponent of (laughs) Wendell. At this point, I'm like, I don't know, bro. You're not that good. So prove to me that you're good. We shouldn't have... He's a guy. He's just a guy. He's. I don't think he's bad. We shouldn't have Bulls podcasters believing in Wendell Carter Jr. more than he believes in himself. That's all I'm going to say. And then we got Kobe White. (laughs) obviously you know 20 years old position change this year playing the point guard his numbers are not bad you know you could you could sell him to another team perhaps on his youth his draft pedigree his quote-unquote size he doesn't really have size but he's listed six five some outside shooting ability uh but man has he been rough this year and the team has just sucked with him on the floor i mean it is night and day when kobe's on the floor to when kobe's off the floor and i still think kobe could be i might actually be higher than a lot of bulls fans on kobe long term uh that doesn't mean i would keep him i think he's it just seems like he's got a point guard he's he's not a point guard and i do think that like you know just his ability to get up threes at a high rate is going to be huge for him moving forward and the fact is like most NBA players aren't good when they're 20. I think that a lot of people are just too impatient. Right. But here's the thing. The Bulls are at a point where they want to start making a move. So, right. you know, I think all these guys should be on the table. Wendell, Lowry, Kobe, they can all go Yeah, here, yeah as far as I'm concerned. Right. And, yeah, obviously you got something to say. So what what's up? Yeah, I was going to say just the the timing of it all. With Zach Levine becoming who he is and with his free agency coming up, you're at a point where you just can't wait on these guys anymore. Like Kobe White, maybe he does turn into a good point guard. I mean, I said I was saying he's not a point guard. Maybe someday he does become a good point guard. But like how how long can you wait on that? Because right now he's a total disaster. Starting off the bench, disaster. I mean, the again, this last game against the Jazz, he the bench Zach goes off the floor, the bench comes in and they literally did not score a point until Zach I think either came back in the game or like right before he came back in. That was like five minutes where they did not score. That's obviously not on Kobe, all on Kobe White. 
Uh, there's some goofy lineups Donovan's been running with like Arch and Denzel and Denzel chucked a, like Arch had two consecutive air balls in the first quarter. Denzel missed like three consecutive threes in the second quarter. Lowry couldn't do a damn thing either when he was out there. And Lowry had one of his worst games of the year against the Jazz. Uh, except he denied Rudy Gobert's triple double of blocks because he somehow made, forced his last shot and Gobert blocked it, but it somehow still got in anyways. But yeah, but so yeah, it's just the timing of it all. With Zach being so good, you just can't wait on all these guys at this point. Like, yeah, maybe Wendell does get better. Like he's with his all his all, all his injury problems, he's basically played like what a season of a season and a half worth of NBA games. Uh, Lowry, this is Lowry's fourth year, so you're coming up on his restricted free agency, so you really can't wait on that anymore. And you, he hasn't shown enough where you can like. You're going to like want to meet his demands as a restricted free agent. Like, I have no idea what he's going to get at this point, given what he's shown and his own injury problems. But, like, yeah, you're just at a point where you're just like, you've had this basically this core for two, three, four years going back to the Jimmy Butler trade. And it's just, you haven't had enough success. You need to start getting guys to win now with Zach Levine if you do, if you are planning on basically building around him. And I think we both agree that at this point they should. They have an all star in him and they should look to start improving around him. And that means probably just moving on from so at least one of Lauren and Wendell. Like I said, as you said, I'm good. Like looking to include all of them in deals to make upgrades. However, you want to do that. Like I said maybe you can still sell again. These Kobe is twenty. Wendell is what twenty one, twenty two. Lowry is twenty two, twenty three. I mean, maybe you can still sell some of the other teams and get uh, more assets. Get or, or turn the ter- consolidate them into a really good player. Uh, yeah, it's just the timing of it all. Like if you were, if, if this was maybe like year one or year two of the rebuild and you don't have a legit stud in Zach, who's got a free agency coming up, you can be a bit more patient, but right now it's just hard to be patient and it's hard to watch these guys falter just like over and over again. I mean, Wendell Carter in the Nuggets game the other night during this collapse, I think it was during the collapse, couldn't make a layup over what's his name? Facundo, Facundo Compazzo. Like he blows the lay. He had Composo like buried under the basket and he blows the layup over him. I mean, we saw Lowry against the Spurs, like couldn't post up against Derek White uh, and guys like that who were like switching on him. Uh, and Lowry was also bad against the, in the Nuggets game. Both Lowry and Wendell were benched for like d- down the stretch and into overtime. Uh, I believe Ryan Archdiakono closed overtime in, in that Nuggets game. Like, I mean, what are we doing here at this point when like those like your starter, your supposed young front court core is benched benched in overtime and Ryan Archidiakono is closing games like over Kobe White in overtime. Uh, and then against the Jazz, Lowry was off the court for like 13 straight minutes. They asked him about it afterwards. They asked Billy about it. And it was basically, you know, I trust Billy, blah, blah, blah. It's totally fine. I mean, it, it almost kind of seems like these young guys are like barely hanging on here with Kobe and Wendell getting benched, playing poorly with Lowry going through these long stretches where he's getting benched. Uh, it just, it just seems like like where are we going with these guys at this point? So you have to consider making moves. I mean, it, there's just so much, only so much time, and I feel like Zach's probably getting frustrated a bit as well, and that, that's why I do wonder like if they did trade like Thad Young, if that would just like, and they and they started bottoming out again, and, like would Zach just get really pissed off about that? So again, that's something I feel like you do have to consider when you're thinking about selling these young guys. So like, if we're looking at going the other way. And maybe adding this, adding some talent to this team. You definitely want to add. If you're adding talent, you do want to add guys who, not just like rentals. Like you're not. I don't think you're looking to add Kyle Lowry. And it sounds like Kyle Lowry is either going to Philly or Miami, maybe LA. It's, those teams have been mentioned over and over again. But like, let's bring up the Malcolm Brogdon thing. I know you wanted to talk about this. You tweeted about it. I tweeted about it. Vinny Goodwill uh, reported in at Yahoo Sports today that the Pacers are listening on Malcolm Brogdon pitches and that maybe Sabonis could be available as well. 
I'd be shocked if the Pacers traded Sabonis. I, I mean, I'm surprised that they're, I mean, I guess listening on Brogdon could mean anything. That could mean a team is calling up to see what they what they'd say about it. And they're like, oh, I mean, here, sure, we'll listen to what you have to say. And then basically saying, no, we're not really trading him. You never know what these things, with these leaks, there's always an agenda with, with stuff getting out these days. I feel like I would still be surprised if the Pacers traded either of those guys. They have struggled this year. They are only 1923, but they did just get Karis LeVert back. I guess part of the report was that they think Karis LeVert can play point guard, and that's why they'd be fine moving on from Brogdon. I don't know about that. I mean, LeVert has obviously had a crazy health issue with the kidney cancer thing, but he's had health issues throughout his career. I just don't know if he's actually that good. So, like, again, I feel like that somewhat skeptical, but that the Pacers would actually move him. But if they are listening, the Bulls should absolutely be calling. We talk about the Bulls needing a legitimate point guard upgrade. Malcolm Brogdon is not an all-star. He's not the best point guard. He has his own injury problems, but he is a damn good player, super efficient, can shoot play on and off the ball. He's a decent defender. I thought he was a guy the Bulls should have gone after in free agency when he went to Indiana and the Bucks sent him there in a sign trade in the first place. So, Ricky, what would you trade for Malcolm Brogdon? What do you think the Pacers would want or would want in a possible trade? Yeah, we talked about Brogdon a lot when he was a free agent, and you know that was the offseason the Bulls eventually signed Thad and Sato. And at the time, I feel like we were like, well, you know, Brogdon has just been a spot-up shooter in Milwaukee. I believe he was coming off of 50-40-90 season in his last year with the Bucks. Yes. And yep. he had never really handled any sort of full-time playmaking burden at all. He was mostly a 3-and-D spot-up shooting guard. And that is not the type of player he's been in Indiana. In Indiana, Brogdon has developed into sort of a lead engine of an offense. And you look at his numbers this year, and they're absolutely tremendous. He's averaging over 20 points a game. Uh, you know, really is putting up like all-star numbers. I have a stats page here, but my computer is just absolutely crawling. So I'm getting very frustrated trying to cite his numbers. <laughs> He's putting up a, a great year, <laughs> right? And when we talk about the type of player the Bulls really need to get this thing to the next level, I think Malcolm Brogdon's exactly the type of guy. Because I do think that he could fill your need as a playmaker. I think that he pairs very well with Zach in the backcourt because he's a strong defensive guard. Uh, He's still a great spot-up shooter who could play off the ball. Uh, You know, he might not have the most juice in terms of like being a primary creator, but he's good. He's damn good at it, even if he isn't you know, the type of guy who's going to lead you to having a great upside. So I would be all in on Malcolm Brogdon. I think Malcolm Brogdon would be terrific. And the fact that the Bulls didn't sign him in free agency in 2019 was a huge mistake. I personally didn't think they should at the time because I didn't think he could be this type of player as an on-ball threat, but he's proven it over the last, you know, year and a half with the Pacers. So uh, I tweeted today that I would give up the Bulls' first-round pick, which currently would be slated to be number 11 overall, that should be a pretty valuable asset, uh, in either Lowry or Kobe plus salary filler to get it done. The more I think about it, I'd give up Lowry and Kobe and the pick to get him. That might be a lot, and I think that most people listening to this podcast would say that that's probably too much. But here's the thing. like So many of these guys we're talking about are not game-changers. And Brogdon is a legitimate game-changer. I mean, I... I said I had his page pulled up here and it's crawling, but he's 28 years old. I got it. Yeah, he's so he's 28. He'll be 29 next December. Uh, He's under contract through next season. And then Um, he's got two more. Does he have a player option then? Because he signed a four year deal, right? With the pace. Yeah, he should have two more. He might have a player option. So I think he could be a, a good fit 
long term next to Zach. I mean, they're pretty much on the same timeline. Uh, and yeah, I think that if the team is really going to do like a consolidation trade and, you know, move the asset, like combine young pieces and get a player, like obviously you dream of landing someone who's at least an all-star level player and Bragdon hasn't quite been that yet, but he's good enough to be an all-star. He plays like an all-star, even if he hasn't been named one. So I would absolutely offer a big package for Malcolm Bragdon. And I understand the hesitation on offering, you know, two pieces from the core out of Kobe, Lowry, and Wendell. And I understand the hesitation with offering the draft pick, but I think I would be fine with it because I think Brogdon is a tremendous on-court fit. I think he would fill the Bulls' biggest need. I think he'd be a long-term piece. I think, you know, he'd have his best years still in front of him in Chicago. And you get him and Zach, now your backcourt set. Pat is only going to get better in terms of Patrick Williams. Uh, you know, we talk about how young he is every time we we talk about him. But he's already able to hold his own most <laughs> of the time. And you think that, you know, hopefully he takes a big leap next year and the year after that and the year after that. And then you got Carter, who, you know, he'll be playing for a contract next year. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Carter could take a leap next year. Find another wing. I think that that could be a a middle-tier Eastern Conference playoff team. Is that good enough for you? Is it not good enough for you? Uh, We can debate that. But for how sorry the Bulls have been since the Butler trade, I think a Brogdon-Levine team would be really, really fun and Kobe White sucks, and Larry, Larry Markkinen sucks, and I mean, they've blown it so many times with draft picks recently, so why not do a trade like that? I think that that would be a really exciting, fun trade if the Bulls were to do it. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. You- so Brogdon this year, I got I got his numbers. 21.6 points per game, 6.1 assists, 4.7 rebounds, 46% field goal, 39.8% three-point shooting. He's a great free throw shooter, doesn't get there that often. Good for a true shooting, I believe, of like 56-57. Uh, I feel like as the 56.3, as like the lead uh, guy on a Pacers offense that's like just okay. Like, I feel like that's pretty solid given like the load he has. If he's playing next to Zach, I feel like he'd become even more efficient. The fit, I think, there just does make sense. Like, he's he is bigger, six, right? he's like five, six, five, six, five so, like, strong. He's, he's yeah, jacked, six, five, like pretty strong. Yeah, so like that, I, I think that that fit there just, uh, just makes a lot of sense between uh, with, with Zach where he could at least play some defense, uh, he can play on and off the ball again, he makes better decisions. Uh, yeah, so I think it would make sense. Looking at that trade, 
I do think you'd probably maybe want to protect the pick maybe like to the top five, top three, like especially if you're giving up both. Like if you're giving up both young guys, like I feel like you're definitely protecting the pick. Maybe you don't if you're only giving up one of them. Uh, some give and take there. I mean, you do if the Bulls somehow. I mean, if they get even if they get in the play and if they lose right away, they still would I believe get into the lottery. So like, I feel like you do have to protect yourself somehow. If, yeah, like, in case I agree. you did win the lottery and like you get in you for the Cade sweepstakes. So like, at least protect it to like top three. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of like giving up the other guys, yeah, I'd absolutely be fine giving up any of those young guys in a Brogdon trade. Just I, like I said, in general, I do think the Bulls should protect themselves with if they're looking to give up first round picks. Like with no matter who they trade for, because I don't think there's really anybody on the table, like superstar wise, where you, you're you're willing to give up unprotected every first round every pick the Bulls from at. a team that's the caliber of the Bulls gets protected when it gets traded. So yeah, yeah I mean, right. I would do top three if that would make him agree to the deal rather than top five. I think the top three of this draft is more special than the top five. So. Uh, yeah, I think that if you could do a top three protected pick, it'd be a lot to give up for Malcolm Brogdon. But here's the thing. Maybe the Pacers actually say yes. You know, like you got to <laughs> get them to say yes somehow. Yeah. I mean, and you t- and to the- yeah. And to the point about like, well, like where will they top out as next year? Well, it's like, well, I mean, maybe they're like a 40 some win team and like maybe they get into like the top four or five, like legitimately. And then that maybe that helps probably with Zach and keeping him. Uh, and then maybe you you attract another player to come in the future. Again, given where the Bulls are, there's just no like real quick fix. And with Zach there, you're not going to tank. Uh, you'd have to like basically do like an accidental tank and then get luck super lucky in the draft. And the Bulls just have not gotten lucky. They again since rebuilding and doing this whole trade, the Bulls have been terrible. They've had this terrible record. And what do they have to show for it from the draft? They have. Larry Markin and Wendell Carter Jr. and Kobe White. And we're now talking about getting rid of all these guys. And then Patrick Williams, obviously, as well. And Pat, who is, I mean, for all intents and purposes, is untouchable. I know Zach Lowe reported that teams are calling the Bulls about Patrick Williams and they're shutting him down. Obviously, that's basically the case. Like, unless the Bulls are trading for a su- actual superstar, you're probably not trading Patrick Williams. Um, but yeah, so like, are you really going to play the draft game with Zach Levine on like on board? No, like probably not. So like, you have to at least get to probably like decent to even if it's like mediocrely decent uh, before then you take that next step to the next level. And now I think adding Malcolm Brogdon would probably do that. Um, any other like after what do you like? I know we talked about DeRozan. Like, what do you think about DeRozan? Like, what would you think about Harry B. Harrison Barnes, or if they maybe went hard after like an Aaron Gordon? I know a Gordon apparently really wants to play for a contender. I don't know if Aaron Gordon can be making those kind of demands at this point, but uh, uh, like any of these other guys on the market, John Collins, I think we talked about before we started this. Like, he's kind of in a similar spot with Lowry, except he's definitely a little better, but he like wants a max deal. Like, I don't know if anyone's paying John Collins a max at this point. So, so like any of these other guys, moving moving past Brogdon, if we're looking at the Bulls for the Bulls to add talent and that talent that they can keep around for uh, at least the next year or next couple of years and not just be a rental, like anyone else really stand out to you? And we've obviously talked about Lonzo enough. We can we don't have to talk about him anymore. Uh, no, I don't really want any of those other guys for what it's going to take. <laughs> yet, but uh, at the same time, I mean, if you can trade Kobe for Harrison Barnes, maybe you do that. To me, that's a I mean, the Kings aren't doing that. The Kings have De'Aaron Fox yeah, and Tyrese Halliburton. Sure. Why would they, tra- why would for they sure. trade for Kobe White? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I While I do want the Bulls to make a move, it's like, to me, there's not many that are going to be true game changers. Now, maybe some could be addition by subtraction. Right. And, you know, maybe you could get a pick swap 
in the future out of something like there's there's ways to get a good return in terms of value uh if you get creative with it but yeah i don't know like i don't i don't want aaron gordon do you that that name is a little bit interesting to me just because he's 25 because he is really athletic but he's someone who scored a below average efficiency his entire career in terms of his true shooting percentage this year he's actually shooting threes he's making 40 percent of his threes on four attempts a game but uh you know, it's like, how impactful is he really? And I still don't know, like, if he's on the Bulls, where do you play him? Are you starting a lineup with Wendell, Aaron Gordon, and Pat? I feel like that might be just, like, a little bit no. too big and slow. Uh, well, not big enough at center, but... And that's kind of almost what, like, the... That's kind of what the Magic have been doing. Right. Because I feel like Gordon's been kind of, like, out of place. Because they've had all these big guys, with like, Vucevic, uh, and when they had Jonathan Isaac playing... And then they would have like Gordon playing the three. And I feel like that's been one of his problems. Is right. He should be playing the four or five. When someone brought it up, I was thinking they just play really small. Gordon they play five. Pat, Gordon, Zach. You get a point guard. Uh, you get another yeah, winner. I, I, and that's how you play that. In some matchups, maybe you play bigger. But uh, I would play small. And small and Gordon at the five is interesting. Five. And if you look at his play like his position where he's played on basketball reference he's like barely played any center in his entire career so i think that could be really interesting i don't know where gordon currently stands as a passer he has the highest assist rate of his career this year but like you know could he be sort of that release valve passer that everyone's looking for in a modern center right now uh could he basically go to school under Thad Young, who's also sort of a similar size as Gordon. Right, yeah, and you're basically hoping he's supercharged yeah, Thad. He's much more yeah. athletic, but Thad is yeah. just so exactly. freaking crafty. It's like, how do you possibly rise to the level of yeah. Thad Young's craft? It's something that, you know, it's taken him over a thousand NBA games Magic. and whatever. And yeah, uh, just years and years and years of improving his game and uh, having the mindset to do it and all that. So yeah, no one else really jumps out to me as being a great fit. Now, like if you want to talk about Lowry or I'm sorry about Lonzo versus Brogdon, my like last two cents on this is that to me, Lonzo is a connecting piece. So you want studs around Lonzo and you want Lonzo to just sort of connect the dots. Uh, You know where I like, you know, if you look at a team like maybe Denver, I think he'd be really good in Denver playing next to MPJ, Jokic, Jamal Murray with the Bulls. It's like you almost need more from him than just being a connecting piece because the Bulls don't have any stars besides for Zach. So if I'm deciding between Brogdon and Lonzo, I definitely want Brogdon. To me, that's a no brainer. And I like Lonzo. I'd be all. Yeah, I'd be all all for landing Lonzo, uh, but no brainer to me of getting Brogdon and take the step further. You know, if you could keep Lowry out of a Brogdon trade, and this Brogdon trade probably isn't going to happen, so we shouldn't be talking about it so much, but just hypothetically, I would get both right. Brogdon and Lonzo. Hey, it's trade deadline. Week, I would get baby. Brogdon and Lonzo. Yeah, why not? Play all, play three. all three. Exactly. You could play all three together, and then play all With three together. You play Pat, Pat at the four, and you, whatever. You have Wendell at the five or Thad at the yeah. five for right so now. that's what I would do. And, you know, that could be the the team next year, too. Uh, I'd flip the first round pick just in terms of uh, this draft class. I don't know. I think I don't think it's as exceptional as a lot of other people do. I think that outside of the top, you know, six, seven guys, seven, eight guys. And I don't even love Kaminga that much. Don't love Jalen Green that much. 
Uh, I think Suggs would be amazing. Mobley is going to be a superstar. Cade's going to be a superstar. But, uh, you know, I would like Moses Moody. That's the other guy who I really like in this draft. He's on Arkansas. He's playing in the Sweet 16. Uh, I think Moody would be the guy I would want the Bulls to take if they were keeping their pick and, uh, you know, entering the draft with a selection around number 10, let's say. Uh, But, you know, if they're picking 13, 14, it's like, dude, who cares? Like, trade this pick, get a good player. I don't care if Brogdon is 28. uh, He'd be a great fit with Zach. So if I'm the Bulls, I'm looking at that deal right now. If you can't get that done right now, I'm looking at that deal in the offseason. So that would be a player I would really like. And uh, yeah, I'm fine with Lonzo too. But if Brogdon is attainable at all, I think it's worth it to push in all your assets for him. That's just my two cents. Uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners might think that 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 would be too much to give up, to give up a pick, Lowry and uh, Kobe. But I would be very tempted to do it. So I do like the idea of trading for both of them. Uh, All guys are what, 6'5", 6'6". And then you have Pat at the four. What is he? Six, seven, six, eight. seems like he's better as a four. And then you have whatever Wendell, Thad playing center. I think that'd be a pretty fun lineup. I'd be at least very interested to watch the rest of the season, how they do. Like I would sure. Why not? Like, and then you see where that goes from there. Uh, go for it. Let's do it. Trade for both of them. Why, why not? Um, uh, I guess back to the Aaron Gordon thing. I think I'd be really intrigued by him as well, doing that, playing like a, a small athletic lineup. But I think it does seem like it's going to take way too much to get him, like multiple first round picks. Like I don't know if Gordon's worth that much. I mean, maybe I don't know. It, it seems like he just. I don't. We've been a lot of people have just been waiting for him to be like fully unlocked, and it's just like never really happened. He has. You mentioned he's been putting up better numbers this season. Uh, I think, like I said, I think it'd be interesting. It does doesn't seem like that's something that's really on the table for the Bulls right now. Uh, I'm trying to like other options. Like, are there any other like young players that like they could take a chance on? We've we talked about Lonzo, obviously, but like, I feel like I saw, I've read on like the Bulls boards, like people talking about Cam Reddish. And I know Cam Reddish is available. I've never been a Cam Reddish guy. He's been, he was terrible at Duke. He's been terrible uh, in his NBA career so far. He's hurt right now. But like, I think, I think I saw on Bloggable and like the, in, uh, in like the comment section, people talking about, oh, like I would trade like Lowry or, or Lonzo or Lowry or, Kobe for I think it was Lowry for Cam Reddish like would you like are there, like any young guys you would take a flyer on like even uh, like Jared Culver uh has been really struggling or like do you think like he like, any of these guys who could maybe use like a, a change of scenery any young guys like that like who because they've been so bad I know like you were a big Jared Culver guy in the draft and he's sucks. just like totally flopped totally in Minnesota sucks. yeah he's bad like red again Reddish has been brutal uh, I thought he was brutal at Duke and he's been brutal in the NBA and a lot I mean a lot of people I think are like hanging their head on his his like just his NBA body and his look his jump shot looks nice but it just like never ever goes in uh like any other young guys like that you could think of maybe you take like a flyer on something like that yeah I mean I, I would know. take a flyer on Culver to me that would be pretty good uh he's been brutal to start his NBA career yeah. I mean just brutal <laughs> and so was yeah, just brutal too. so <laughs> uh yeah I mean if you could get a guy like that I I would maybe try to buy low on that like I'd still probably tr- I would be tempted to trade Kobe for Reddish. I think maybe the Hawks would take that. Uh, I don't know. I would have to do a deeper dive into both those guys, how they've been so far in the NBA. Yeah. But uh, Culver's been terrible. And that's been uh, really tough for my ego because I was high on him in the draft. Uh, <laughs> with that being said, yeah, I don't know. They're, those two guys aren't Im- immediately jumping out to me. Uh, and I don't think there's going to be 
action like that at the trade deadline. I think that, you know, at this point, we might as well start looking into guys we want next offseason, like in the offseason. And uh, maybe the offseason is when they could make some of those moves. But uh, as for right now, not really. I mean, what about Bogdanovich from Atlanta? Would you go after someone like that? Oh, yeah. He was reported. I mean, I guess I'd be surprised if the Hawks were bailing on that already. I know he was hurt to start the year. I know he hasn't been very good, but like, it seems like it'd be surprising that first year, like just after all that hubbub with his offseason, then they just turn around, especially with them playing better now. I feel like they'd want to give it more of a chance. Like I understand uh, Reddish has been awful and they have all these wings. They have Hunter who just got back. They have Bogdanovich. They have Kevin Herter. Uh, Gallo has been kind of a mess for them, but they are back like, in the four seed. They went on that lo- long winning streak and they should have won. They should have beat the Clippers the other night and they totally choked away a 20 point lead in the second half. Uh, so, I mean, I would think about Bogdanovich. Like he's just an he's a de- he's pretty solid scorer. I mean, he seems like he'd be like an AK kind of player, not just the, was not just because he's European, but just like shooter, pretty solid, decent playmaker. Not great, but like just a secondary playmaker, passer type. Uh, he can sc- when he gets going scoring wise. Like he had some really fun games with the Kings. So like, I mean, I would think about it. I'd look into it. I mean, the Bulls need talent. They need that kind of stuff. That just upgraded in talent and playmaking and shooting in general. Like. I would at least look into it. I wouldn't give up that much for him, but uh, it's at least semi-interesting, I guess. Would you? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, what? It's all about the value. Like, what are you? What are you talking about? Right. Up yeah. for him? I don't know. Was he still got? Was this is what first year of a? What he signed? Like, Does Atlanta want like, Lowry like to a, sign and trade after they lose John Collins and free agency? So, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I do not know. Um, I guess looking past that, we'll probably wrap it up here pretty soon. But uh, I was just looking at the rest of the roster. Like we've talked about Thad, we've talked about the young guys. Like uh, Tomas Sedaransky, Kevin O'Connor reported. Like I think the Bulls offer for Alonzo. Who knows how legit this was like? Was like Sato in seconds. I feel like that's uh, just not going to get it done. Uh, but I, I mean, I'd probably look to sell on a guy like him. I mean, I think the Bulls should be listening on all these veterans. Uh, I guess with Thad again, like. You need at least one first. I would probably look for more if you're going to trade that. I mean, he has been so valuable to this team, both on and off the court. I feel like a late first probably doesn't do it. If you're getting towards the lottery, uh, maybe maybe you get a young player in there as well. I think you'd have to at least consider it there. Like in Sato, if you could get a first like Tomas Sadoransky, I think you got to jump on that. Garrett Temple, I can't imagine you're getting anything more than a second. Uh, he's supposedly coming back from his it was that ankle injury or something, but I mean, he's fine. He's cheap, fine to keep around. I guess when you get to the, like towards the end of this roster at the bare minimum, I wrote this, I wrote a, a quick trade, not necessarily quick, but a trade trade preview thing at Forbes today. We've talked about all this bigger stuff at the bare minimum, even if it's not, maybe not before the trade deadline after the bulls got to do something with the back half of this roster. If at the bare minimum, like, I've had enough of watching Denzel lineups of Kobe Denzel and Ryan Archie Giacchino off the bench just absolutely suck. Cristiano Felicio, if they don't use this, whatever, $8 million as a trade chip, please buy him out after the trade deadline and bring somebody else in to at least try another big man. Maybe give Devin Dotson some minutes at point guard. Cycle, cut Luke Cornett. I mean, just uh, they tr- Billy tried another Lowry-Luke Cornett lineup to, to draw Rudy Gobert out of the paint yesterday. Part of the just disastrous minutes at the start of the second quarter. Just there's at least three or four pieces at the end of this roster that can easily be cycled around. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Chandler Hutchison. We still don't know what's going on with Hutch. Yeah, I mean, he's at this point looking like a total bust of a draft pick. Uh, maybe you move him somewhere else. Maybe I, I mean, I don't, maybe you get a second second rounder or something. But at the very bare minimum, 
whether it's before the trade deadline, whether it's in the days after when we're looking at buyout stuff and all that, the Bulls got to change the end of this roster, mix some things up, try some new guys in there because there's just some dead weight there that the Bulls just don't need to have anymore. And I guess I mentioned Denzel Valentine. If you can get a pick for Denzel Valentine, you're not going to get a first, obviously. If you can get a second, maybe a couple seconds, I don't know. His numbers are down. He's under 34% shooting from three now. Uh, he's like 37% overall. Like his numbers are pretty brutal now after his decent start to the season. So like, I don't, I'm really not sure what you can get for him, but you got to look for it. If you can get something, maybe some team will value his theoretical shooting at this point. Uh, but yeah, and the, just the bottom line again here, as we wrap it up here, this trade deadline preview, the Bulls need to do something. I just, give me at least one roster change. Even if it's not something big, we've talked about some of this pie, maybe pie in the sky, big stuff. They got to at least give me something here in terms of a move. They got to make some type of trade, whether it's for an asset, whether it's for an upgrade, even if it's something super small. Uh, you just got to at least show me some signs of life from uh, from this front office and looking towards the future, whether it's helping the team make a playoff push or whether it's building that asset base. You got to do something. Can't sit on your hands. Ricky, your final thoughts here as we head into this trade deadline. The entire back half of the roster has to be gone. I mean, all these guys are worthless. Archie Diak, Archie Diakono gone. <laughs> Chandler Hutchison gone. Felicio gone. Cornette gone. Uh, Gafford, I guess you can keep around. He's just a guy to me. Denzel gone. Otto, yeah, I'm fine Otto gone. Uh, Temple, I mean, he's a veteran. Like he's only on a one-year contract anyway. So what are you going to do with that? I want to see some more Adam Makoka. I definitely want to see some more Dotson. And yeah, like. Let's see your imprint on this roster, AK, because we know this team that Garpax put together that you have chosen to keep throughout this entire year. They suck. So thank God Zach leveled up. Otherwise, <laughs> this entire year would be just a massive, massive bummer. And thank God Thad Young just totally rules. Uh, but yeah, dude, they got to turn over this roster. And it's a... Uh, there can't be any excuses made for it anymore. Like, I'm not going to say that I want to see a move for the sake of a move being made, even though, like, in my head, I sort of do want that. I kind of yeah, do. You definitely sound like Honestly, you I do. I just that. want something. But, uh, yeah, I, I just need anything. Just give me something. Uh, you know, even what would be good is just, like, getting rid of Denzel for a couple picks and, like, playing Dotson. Like, right. just do that for second yeah. round picks. So, yeah, I mean, this roster needs to be seriously turned over. Seriously turned over. And I would include Kobe Lowry and Wendell in that. Yeah, I think it's totally fair. I mean, we just have not seen enough. And as we mentioned, the timeline with Zach Levine, we're at a point where you just can't wait super long with these guys. And you got to you gotta start getting guys on Zach Levine's timeline. Obviously, you could say Patrick Williams is not lined up with that, but I mean, he's still so young and as a rookie where you can wait for him a little bit, but with these other guys with Lowry becoming a restricted free agent and his payday coming up, Wendell is eligible for an extension in this offseason. He hasn't shown enough. Kobe has not shown enough that he can be your point guard of the future and be a pairing, a good pairing with Zach Levine. You have to think about building with Zach and just his timeline. And it seems like these guys, it just isn't the best fit. It's just not working out. I do think all these guys can play long time in the league that they have value a certain amount of value. Maybe it'll just happen in different spots. Like, I don't think any of them are legitimate game changers. It seems like moving forward or long-term, maybe they do develop into that, but I think ultimately, ultimately they seem like nice players. They can be good role players. They can have a lot, they can have long careers in the NBA, but uh, what given there it's that's three, whatever, seven picks in a row and you just kind of get role players there three times and none of them turn into a star. Uh, that's just kind of tough. And like I said, I wouldn't say, I don't, I'm not going to say any of them are busts, uh, 
maybe if Carter keeps going the way he is, maybe he will be. I think I still think he's better than he's shown, but I mean, it's just been a struggle. Uh, yeah, it's it's time to do something. It's just time to do something with these guys. You just can't keep waiting. Not with Zach Levine being so good. If Zach, if Zach didn't level up this year, like you said, the Bulls would be probably just as bad as they've been in recent years. He's probably given them several extra wins. Thad is also Thad being great has also probably given them an extra win or two. But and if, if they were just kind of playing like they did last year, like they'd probably be the then same you'd be team. Then right tear now. it down, trade Zach, trade everyone, right? Do a exactly. full rebuild, yeah. So, shoot for twenty twenty five, and you know what? Maybe that yeah. would still be their best path to a championship. I don't think that's totally out of the question. I mean, we got to be honest, uh, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the path they're going to take. Personally, like. I want to watch some good basketball, so I'm ready to get some good players in here yeah. rather I don't than want to tear some 18-year-olds. Uh, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we've seen enough that, that Zach and, like, veterans can be at least decent. Again, they still haven't beaten, like, good teams, but, like, we've seen them, at least, like, Zach and Thad and, like, Temple and Sad or, like, play together and, like, have some success. Again, not leading to wins against real teams. Uh, they do a lot of bum sling, but, like, there's at least a path there to being like a decent team, a, a competitive team and a fun team to watch and one that could be a playoff team. So find some more guys that can line up with Zach and that are actually good players. And hopefully the Bulls can actually be a decent team in the coming years. Again, they're not awful this year. They have made progress, but uh, it's time to time to start making some actual moves here to help Zach. I mean, that's going to wrap us up here. We've been rambling too long about, about this Bulls team, this NBA trade deadline. I don't think any, I've been trying to watch Twitter here uh, to see if anything breaks. During our podcast here, watch will probably wrap up here and something will happen right as we finish. But um, we are going to finish here. We're going to wrap up here right now. Uh, it is, what is it, Tuesday night at about 1030 here. So we'll be on the lookout if there's anything happening here later tonight and over the next couple of days with that trade deadline, deadline coming up on Thursday afternoon. So for us here at Cash Considerations, as always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Go check out all the great NBA pods, especially with the trade deadline coming up. Tons of great content all across the network. Uh, we will be uh, we will do a locker room reaction pod after the trade deadline on Thursday. So that's when we'll be here next uh, for us as well. Obviously, please rate and review us. Please subscribe. Give us those five-star ratings. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, you know where to find us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky's at SBN underscore Ricky. So for Jason and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations and Chicago Bulls Podcast. Happy trade deadline week, everybody. Let's go make some moves, AK. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.